Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Timothy Miller of The Bulwark. Uh, hey, any of you guys listening to this or watching it who are in the D.C. area, we're doing a live show. This show right here, but live with a studio audience on November 16th. You should come and hang out. It's going to be a good time. Uh, if you're not in the D.C. area. It's a lovely time. Pre-Thanksgiving, well, get a little lubed up before you area. have to see your family. I'm yeah. sorry, what? Yeah, get a little lubed up. Yeah, have a few cocktails what does that and mean? laugh. Is that a thing? For, I, you know what? Okay. Uh, that's fine. Just an idea. Sarah, is this like how you feel when someone says strap it on? It is. I hate it okay. when you say that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, to be clear, when I say that, I'm talking about strapping on your helmet, your football helmet, to go out there and play and get into conflict. And I was talking That's about whiskey. I mean. Okay. I was talking about okay. whiskey. But whole okay. Mid-Atlantic, you should come up. Raleigh. Raleigh. That's only like a four-hour drive from Raleigh. That's easy. If you live within 20 minutes, come to it. Otherwise, don't. It's a lot of trouble. No. But if you're close I to I don't DC, even live within 20 minutes of it. No, 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 no. And it just come. November 16th, go to thebulwark.com slash events. Get your tickets here. I do not want to pressure you, but these things always sell out, and we're close to sellout status already. So if you're thinking of doing it, go sooner rather than later to get tickets. Don't wait for the last minute. Thebulwark.com slash events. Okay. Lots of stuff happening, and I want to start with, normally this is where you we, we do the, like, like the gentleman from Kentucky, or, you know, my distinguished colleague, from the fuckers at the Washington Examiner, who people, I'm just not going to pretend like our friends. Mm. Uh, a horrible, horrible institution with idiotic writers and idiotic editors, and just the worst people in the world. Um, but check them out. <laughs> they have a cover of their their magazine, which, so far as I can tell, is read by precisely zero people. <laughs> Where the headline is, we're going to put this up on the video for the YouTube people. The moderate left is dead. And the cover is a cartoon with a donkey holding a lily in a suit in a, in a coffin being carried by six pallbearers who are uh, a Hamas terrorist wearing a suicide vest and carrying an AK-47. Mm. A, I'm assuming, don't stereotypical. I'm interesting what you're going to say here, JV. I'll be careful. A gay gentleman wearing a rainbow uh, sash in with like a little pink top hat, tiny pink top hat and a nose ring and maybe transish too, who could say. Then a. Maybe just a little drag. You know, we got some chest hair, some muscles. Maybe a little bit of drag, maybe a little bit of trans, who could say. Then a woman uh, of African-American descent, also with a nose ring. A lot of nose rings here. I yeah. always tell you guys the nose rings trigger the trigger the cons. Mm. Uh, wearing a BLM T-shirt, carrying a bag of cash, like a like again, like like a like cartoon she just stole character it from the bank, right from <laughs> from Roadrunner or Bugs Bunny. And then on the other side of the 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 set of pallbearers, we have an Antifa gentleman wearing a beanie with a hammer and sickle and mm. carrying a lead pipe. Mm. With then some dude wearing a, a baseball cap that says DCA. I don't actually understand like the what airport? that reference is. This is this the air traffic controller? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand know. this reference. And then another it's African-American. stupid because DCA is the best of the airports, of the DC airports. Democratic communist. It might be a democratic communist something. Like instead of DSA, DCA. Well, or, you know, you would think like social democrat. Anyway. Commies listening can let us know what DCA stands for. I'm, I sense it's a communist thing. And another African-American gentleman with some face tattoos and not pictured. 
doing drugs. Any or actual Democratic office holders. And I would say it happens that the Democrats hold the presidency of these United States right now. Wow. The, really? the Democrats even even hold the the majority in the United States Senate. The Democrats are pretty powerful. Some of those guys must have been pictured also. <laughs> no? None of them pictured. None Do you think them. that Joe Biden wears like a lot of makeup to cover up all his face tattoos? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and he always takes his nose ring out before he his, goes on camera, which is very, yeah. very considerate of him. Mm. What about like some of the recent Democrats that have been elected in, in swing oh, states like and big cities? Was Eric Adams or Raphael Warnock or Gretchen yes. Whitman, Josh Shapiro? Is he yes. pictured anywhere? Not pictured. Any kind of just sort of center left Jewish men don't, pictured? Don't see suits? any of those people here. Anyway, this is a there are like two things going on. And the first is Seems the, like more than two, but <laughs> the first part of it is the absolute ignoring of the political party where the people holding actual power do things like attempt coups, you know, so the ignoring of that and then the pretending that now let's as anybody who has followed the bulwark carefully over the last few weeks knows, uh, there are, in fact, lots of problems with the far left. And the the Hamas sympathy stuff is real Not and good. exists in, in horrifying ways out there on many American college campuses and in other parts. But this has no foothold within the actual main body of the Democratic Party itself, where, in fact, the attitude is the opposite. It's not like the rest of the Democratic Party is just sort of like looking away and... You know, the, the actual Democratic Party is is going as hard pro-Israel as well as the Republican Party wants them to be. True facts. Yeah, let's not let's not say words like there's no foothold. There's a little bit of a foothold, right? And certainly well, I, I said some of the, no foothold in the main body of the Democratic Party. Fair? Like in Congress? I mean, there are yeah. some there's some bad things that some of the Democrats are saying in Congress. I think I can count them on one hand, though. Uh, and Maybe so, two. Do I need a six or seven? You might need another one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I don't want to overstate it because then our, we can't make our point as crisply as we need to make it, which is that in the Republican Party, the vast majority voted to not certify an election, whereas in the actual Democratic Party, and in fact, the Republican Party just elected a new speaker who tried to orchestrate throwing out the votes, disenfranchising people so that their votes wouldn't count, whereas... Joe Biden and the vast majority of elected Democrats, including a bunch of people who are up for re-election as moderate Democrats right now, actually hold office. So it's not that there's none. We, I don't want to overstate it, uh, but it is yeah. the vast majority. I want to expand on that in two ways. One is uh, if the Bulwark had a fake magazine that nobody read, you know, and we put out a cover that said the moderate right is dead, uh, you know, the people pictured would be like, Donald Speaker Trump. of the House, the, <laughs> the Speaker of the, the House. nominee for the for president, um, you know the Ron DeSantis, the, the guy who's running second, <laughs> the president, <laughs> the Vivek who was running third for a while, <laughs> you know, until recently. We'll get to, you know, I mean, like there would be actual real people with power on the picture, not fake cartoon characters. Maybe we would put like one cartoon character of Horn Man on there, but then again, he, you know breached the well of the of the congress <laughs> it was it isn't just like a fictional you know representation of a character who happened to be on the street in portland anyway uh, that that that's one thing the other thing that i think is is, is just i think it's lost in, in the rhetoric of all this is there are actual primary elections 
that we can kind of judge this stuff on to see how much of a foothold people have. Like there is, there is real world data in this. There is no example that I can think of. Let me not say no example to be precise like Sarah wants. There are very few examples of the times where, where you look at a Republican primary and you think that the more mainstream person, the more moderate person feels like the stronger person in that primary. Brian Kemp is the one that comes to mind. Though to call him moderate is like preposterous. I mean, he would in the in 2010, he would have been seen as a hardline social conservative Republican, uh, which he is. But because he didn't go on with the coup, Brian Kemp is maybe an example in Raffensperger. Uh, maybe there are a couple other examples. But generally, what you have in the, is a power dynamic in a primary is the more moderate candidate has to kind of pretend like they're a crypto MAGA freak in order to have a chance to win, while the MAGA freak just gets to be their unadulterated self because they know that's what, what the party wants, right? So we, so we have these power dynamics. It's Republican politicians are very, very scared of primaries from their right. There are no MAGA politicians, with maybe the exception of Lauren Boebert, because she was grabbing hog in Beetlejuice the Musical, who are like concerned about a primary from the center. And I don't even know how concerned she is. So that's that. On the Democratic side, I guess some people in Congress are concerned about a primary from their left. Chuck Schumer, people say, might be a little concerned that AOC or somebody might challenge him. You see these one-off situations, but not really. Like, you don't see a ton of examples of Democrats just feeling like they have to vote for Medicare for all or something or else they're going to be successfully primaried from the left. There have been a couple, Crowley and AOC. There have been a couple, but not, not very many. And right now we have a new story out today that shows that actually there's some the squad now faces concerns about primaries from the right. And this is something we're going to be covering. I know Jamal Bowman looks like he's going to get a, a primary, Cory Bush, potentially Omar. Will any of those work? I don't know. We, that, like that all remains to be seen. But we have seen that the, the DSA prosecutor in San Francisco get recalled. We've seen mayors race. You know, again, not every mayor's race in Chicago, the more liberal person won in New York, the more conservative, right? So, so again, to Sarah's point, it's not like there's no stronghold of the far left, but like the mainstream Democrats and the moderate, if you want to use that word, Democrats like are holding their own in these intra-party fights and winning many of them recently. Again, maybe that'll, maybe that'll change in 2029. I don't know. Maybe the, you know, the drag guy with the with the nice chest hair and muscles and the Hamas terrorists end up like winning primaries in 2028 on the Democratic side. And, and we'll assess that at that time. But like, that is the thing here that I just think gets totally lost. I just like the notion, people would laugh if you're like, oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to get primaried from by a Paul Ryan type. You know, like that's literally what's going to happen to Jamal Bowman. Jamal Bowman is getting primaried by, you know, like a just an old school center left New York machine Democrat. OK, like we'll, let's, we'll see how that how that turns out. I'd be worried if I was Jamal Bowman. I, I don't think that Alyssa Slotkin's worried that she's going to get primaried by Rashida Tlaib. I mean, th there's a, a broader general thing going on and a hyper specific thing going on. I want to talk about the hyper specific thing for a moment. Then I'm going to throw to you, Sarah, for the broad general thing. The Washington Examiner criminology is something that I am personally deeply familiar with. So let me just tell you guys what's going on. When I say that nobody reads this magazine, I mean it literally. I mean, if you are out there listening to this on the internet, I would defy you to find a single piece ever written about the Washington Examiner magazine or any article therein contained. It has never happened. The whole magazine is being produced for a single guy, and it's that's the, the owner of the Washington Examiner. His name is Phil Anschutz, and he's a very old, very silly conservative man who happens to be worth about $12 billion. Who, and, who just as a quick aside about Phil Anschutz, because I really enjoy this, also owns Coachella. 
And so, like, yeah. really, he's done more. The Staples Center. To, yeah, yeah, he's done more <laughs> to elevate the cultural left that the that the Washington Examiner decries than, like, almost anybody in America by, by owning Coachella. I mean, the dominance of the cultural left in this country. Uh, but he does spend a lot of money on a magazine nobody reads to, like, make him feel better about that. So well, that's nice. So, so Phil Andrews hates Donald Trump. But of course, loves Republicans and he doesn't read this magazine, but he does look at the covers. And so a cover like this is designed to make Phil Anschutz feel good about signing on with whatever needs to be signed off on on the Republican side. That's what this is all about. But there is the broader thing happening too, right, Sarah, which is that this is how Republicans talk themselves into, especially at the margins right? Like, boy, I don't really like Trump, and but I, ah, I the, the, the Democrats are so bad, right? And so they talk themselves into, like, you know, I read somewhere on Facebook that there is a school with kitty litter boxes in the, the bathrooms, and that's, that's insanity. I have to vote for the election denier, right? I mean, isn't that basically the dynamic? Yeah, although when you said specific, I thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to talk about the fact that the cover for it could have been about right the fact that there is right now in this moment a problem on the far left with sort of seeming to both sides the terrorism right like that's the essential problem that one would think that they were trying to get at but instead they did two things that are weird one is they sort of threw every caricature of the far left on the cover to make it about sort of something different and two they declared the center dead at a time when it's very much alive and in fact has been sort of thriving in this particular moment. So that's what I thought you were gonna say specifically. Now at a macro level though, it's about both sides, right? It's about creating the impression that both sides are morally equivalent because they're just both so filled and dominated by their extremes and crazy people. Now I've seen some articles that plot, that sort of try to argue that that's where the Democratic Party is heading Right. But I don't know that people like there's this idea of like, well, if Joe Biden dies, like he's the last line of defense as this very old man. But that also, to your point, sort of ignores the fact that this new bench of candidates that is so promising is a bunch of swing state governors who are sort of relative moderates. Now, I think sometimes from the conservative standpoint, you might think, Well, moderate used to mean that there were, you know, pro-life Democrats, and that doesn't exist anymore. And I think that that is actually part of the conservative psychology is that there are certain things that are orthodoxy in the Democratic Party, and you would get primaried. If you were a pro-life Democrat, or if you voiced and espoused that you thought gay marriage was wrong and you would vote against it, uh, you would probably draw a primary in the Democratic Party because it's orthodoxy on sort of like economic issues or just on the sense of being like kind of normal, right? Like Gretchen Whitmer is a pretty much a normal person. And that's where it's so dishonest, the caricature, because it's it says like, Josh Shapiro, Gretchen Whitmer don't exist. We are governed by these Hamas-loving kids on college campuses, uh, which is false. Just a little history lesson on this for everybody listening now. Again, it's always good to be vigilant. And and Democrats, I think, should feel free to fight within their own camps on all this stuff, you know, side and, and be concerned about what's happening. But look, I lived this in 2010. I know, Sarah, you lived through this. There was a series of Republican primaries where insane people 
beat normal people. Uh, this was I'm Not a Witch, Christine O'Donnell over Mike Castle. This is Sharon Angle out in Nevada. This is Ken Buck when Ken Buck was insane, beating Jane Norton. Right? Like this, like we Ken could Buck go... is now the voice of reason. By yeah, the way, and then in red don't. states, right? This is Rand Paul uh, beating our buddy Trey Grayson. You know, like all, all of this happened in 2010. Like we're, we're and and from there on, usually the crazier, as Thomas Massey said, usually the craziest son of a bitch in the race won the primaries, unless the establishment candidate was really talented, really good at pretending to be crazy, right? Like you know, and so the just the power and the energy has been on the right side of the Republican Party in actual elections in real life for six years before Trump got there. And, you know, maybe not a coincidence. The first election after Barack Obama was elected. Uh, you know, maybe there's something to that, right? So that What's the linkage there, Tim? What do you think it was that that, I mean, hard to it, say. It's really it hard to anything, figure that right? out. I know. There's a lot to think about spending. A lot of concerns Probably about spending. spending. But, um, the, you know, that, that could have happened in 2018. Right, we saw the pussy hat protests, and you didn't know what that was going to turn into. Right, Donald Trump gets elected, and maybe in the the Democrats become so radicalized by this in 2018 that they go and throw out their establishment, Hillary Clinton type Democrats, and put in a bunch of squad members, and that like blipped, like it happened in a few tiny House districts in like New York City, and so again. I, Maybe this will happen, but I, I think that this is wish cast. I, I know, I know that this is wish casting from the Phil Anschutz boys, like butt boys, right? Like, not this is not based on evidence. And that 2018 election, actually, where some of those people got him, actually, there was a wave though. It was far outnumbered by the moderates that got right. elected. That was the that was when they elected all these women who were like helicopter pilots and, right. C- and Abigail Spamberger and Mikey Shearer and right. Alyssa Slotkin. Uh, right. And so, yeah, this is. Um, it's a fantasy of the right. I would say one one other thing that is slightly hopeful. So I we had a great piece on the site uh, by Chris Deaton, one of my old buddies, about precisely this problem. Like what happens if the Democrats wind up succumbing to, to demagoguery in the long run? And I would say one encouraging thing to see is that the Democratic establishment has done a pretty good job of co-opting a lot of those folks. AOC is much more responsible than she was when she first came into Congress. John Fetterman has turned out to be a pretty, pretty solid and responsible guy. Bernie Sanders. John, John not- Fetterman's like bordering on neocon territory lately. Right. I don't know what, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened post stroke, but I don't know. And- He's like kind of the ghost of Michael Hayden spoke to him. Michael Hayden's alive, by the way. Hello, <laughs> hello, General. <laughs> Biden very successfully co-opted Bernie, right? Bernie could have become like a, a guy way out on Biden's left, just sort of taking shots and dragging. Instead, Biden like brought him into the tent. And so the the centrist Democrats have been so successful and so powerful that they've not completely and not totally, but done a fairly good job of bringing those those people out of the far left the elected ones and and into the the main body of the Democratic Party, into the tent. And that's pretty helpful. Just to argue, though, against this and sound like a Republican for half a second, though, Mm -hmm. I do think where Democrats struggle is on the hyper local level. Like you do still see like in California, they're still passing really nutty stuff. And like Gavin Newsom actually vetoed some of the like the worst stuff, uh, which was good. But like there is still in the cities, right, the people who are governing cities uh, like there are problems with that and people do see them at the local level and think like, okay, Democrats are talking about like weird stuff. And so I just, I don't want to let them off the hook entirely. Cause I think a lot of times the people that like average sure. people are exposed to, uh, on the democratic side can be doing some weird things, 
But that is why the cover looks like it does. I think that there's some weird liberals in their life. I don't know that a lot of these people are upset on the merits because they're like, my state senator in Berkeley is really is really extreme. And I'm really upset at Joanna Higginbottom. I don't think most people know who their state senator is, you know. No, but I think they know who their mayor is. Sure. Yeah, there's some bad mayors. And like and they're and they're city council members. There's 330 million people, right, in this country. Like you're gonna this is the problem. The problem is that if there is one bad liberal with a lot of Twitter followers saying bad things, that person is gonna be elevated to become the face of the Democratic Party. And you know, like it's I don't know, like all we can do is take the world as it is. Look, have you ever been to a luncheon? You know, it's hard to hold a party in a gym and not have a few crazy people come to it. Okay, I mean, like, uh, you know, even uh, you know, we we can do we can do it at Bulwark Live events, Washington D.C. The slash events uh, because you know we're we're deep, but it's very challenging. One last thing on on the moderate Dems for I interviewed Brandon Presley, who's running for governor of Mississippi, and and I do think the Democrats can do a much better job than this because they did not just do this in the Louisiana governor's race we just lost to Jeff Landry, who's a who's a lunatic. But in Mississippi, they got this guy, Brandon Presley, that is running at what Sarah was talking about, the old school moderate Democrat, pro-life, you know, like not super keen on, you know, trans surgeries for youth and, you know, all like all, all of that sort of stuff. An old school, culturally conservative, populist right Democrat. And um, we'll see. I know there are mixed polls and stuff. We'll see how much better he does. But he is an interesting guy. He's running in it. And it was, again, not a situation. We saw this with Larry Hogan and Charlie Baker. That's what I didn't write about. But that's relevant to the thing. Maybe that would happen. Maybe he gets in there. But but we had John Bell Edwards in Louisiana for eight years. It's not like there was a lefty DSA person that's like, we need, no, the, the Democratic convention in, in the red state, we got to throw out Brandon Presley and put in nose ring person. Right? Like, I think Democrats are super excited about Brandon Presley, despite his, you know, differing views on some of those cultural issues. And, and you know, maybe it turns out that, that he wins. It buried in the article for you, JVL, is a pretty good million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Call out. Uh, hey, this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh does all the shopping and meal planning for you. Ingredients arrive at your doorstep pre-portioned and ready to cook, along with pictured step-by-step recipe cards. How easy is that? Even though the fall can feel jam-packed, HelloFresh makes whipping up a home-cooked dinner actually doable with quick and easy options, including their 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery. And with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week, it's really a no-brainer. Sarah, I got my HelloFresh last week. I kind of loved it in a way I did not expect to. Did, did you? Did yours? you have to do a triple order to feed your 17 children? Yeah. They sent me stuff no, for the so family. Here's the thing. It's a lot of food. Yeah. 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 So I also got the I got the family thing. And the thing is, it is a lot of food. And it is also a lot of food that like kids will eat. Right. Yeah. So like I don't know what you made, but we made like the taquitos. Oh, Those the taquitos were so good. And the tortellini salad. And then we did the turkey and white bean chili stew, which actually was awesome. That was my favorite. I ate it twice. Yeah. It's a honestly. I hate cooking so much, and I was shocked at how much fun this was. So listen, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50thenextlevel and use code 50thenextlevel for 50% off plus free shipping. 
That's HelloFresh.com slash 50, the next level, code 50, the next level, for 50% off America's number one meal kit. 50% off Biden. That's, that's a lot. lot. That yeah, that's lot. half. All right, Sarah. Well, I just wanted to cap off this moderate Democrat thing. With- have Congressman Tim Ryan on the focus group pod this weekend. And this is what we talked about because there's also a Kentucky governor's race and Andy Bashir. Mm. Uh, we did a bunch of focus groups with Bashir Trump voters. And it's so interesting listening to these voters. Like, first of all, they all call him Andy. They're just like on a first name basis with this guy. And there was a guy in the group that was talking about like, you know, I don't agree with him on the issues of uh, life. This guy was, was pro-life, but and knows Andy Bashir's not, but he's like, but he's just he's a he's a nice guy who I think cares about us and he's a good governor. And the extent to which Andy Bashir and they all called him Andy, the extent to which he has clearly made a personal connection with people. He talks about economics all the time, like he really tries to lean into. And this was sort of Tim. Uh, you should go listen to the podcast. Tim Ryan was amazing. He is excellent. But like the thing that he preaches really is just sort of economy, 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 you know, not putting these cultural issues front and center. And I think that there are a lot of Democrats that are doing that to great effect. Including Joe Biden. Including Joe Biden. Yeah. My boy. Laser eyes, Joe. Okay. Speaking of centrist Democrats, we got an Arizona Senate poll. I know Mm. it's a little weird to be talking about state level Senate polls, but it came out this week and it was interesting because Kirsten Sinema is up for reelection. She is no longer a Democrat. She is now a very fashionable independent. And in a three-way race. Who is anti-Halloween? Did you see this? She's anti-Halloween. Her Halloween is every day. She's anti-grown-ups dressing up like Halloween. She thinks it's weird. I'm sorry, Miss Dress Up like is anti-Halloween. She thinks it's weird for grown-ups. Let me have, just let me have some joy in my life, okay? There's nothing personal about Kristen Sinema. But if you're out there, you're saying, oh, you're a grown-up shouldn't be doing this. Uh, Just, just take a breath. Okay, like well, life is I don't know, short. Maybe senators shouldn't wear poofy skirts with yeah. like fashion I, glasses. I, and I defended I her poofy skirts. I always loved her kind I of know. whimsical looks. Listeners, you got to stay all the way to the end so Tim can tell you about his Halloween costume because mm. it was epic. It was uh, whimsical. Anyway, uh, Ruben Gallego, the Democratic presumptive nominee, is in a three-way race at 41%. Carrie Lake, the presumptive Republican nominee, at 37%. Kirsten Cinema, the sitting U.S. Senator at 17. Wah, wah. That's really something, isn't it? Can you remember a sitting U.S. Senator polling third? Like, this did not happen to Joe Lieberman. When Joe Lieberman was getting drummed out of the party and ran as an independent, he was not polling 20 points behind second place. That's nuts. Well, what's nuts about it is how much she seems to be pulling from Carrie Lake. Eight and eight. So within the two-way race. Oh, Eight and eight. In the two-way race, uh, we go to 49-45 in in favor of Gallego. So straight down the middle. I do think that's super telling. So that is interesting, right? She's an independent. (laughs) She pulls equally from Republicans and Democrats. I think it's a reverse no-label situation with her. It's eight and eight. And the interesting thing is this goes back to my Red Dog Democrats article from 2020. It's like, the salient issues for a lot of voters right now are, are, are your, and it goes to your up-down, JVL, is up-down issues, not left-right stuff, right? It's like, is this person anti-democracy? Is this person a lunatic? Like, it's not going down them on, you know, a, a specific list of issues. And in a lot of ways, like, cinema has just from a, on a policy perspective, you would think she would take from Gallego, but like on a vibes 
and presentation perspective she's taking from Republicans. And Carrie Lake being a total loon is, is certainly helping uh, with that regard. Oh, see, I th- I think the reason Cinema takes from Republicans is because she there are a whole bunch of Republicans in state who do not want to vote for Lake and they don't want to vote for a Democrat. And the cinema now is like an off ramp for them. Yeah, but cinema's also done what their favorite thing. What's the one thing Republican voters like, no matter what kind of Republican they are? Owning the land, the corporations. Demo- poking Democrats. Owning the yeah, land. No, right. Sorry. Being mean to Democrats. <laughs> yeah. So when she, you know, she makes Democrats mad, which means that like a section of Republicans yes. thinks she's good, like automatically. This is a better way to put what I was trying to say. Yeah. 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 And Carrie Lake running again after losing. Like there's a bunch of people she didn't who lose. made she's up their. The governor. No, oh, yeah, she's the city governor. She's, she's like, actually the one who the National Guard in Arizona takes orders from, Sarah. That yeah. other woman may sit in the mansion, but she's just a puppet. Well, normie Republican voters have decided how they feel about Carrie Lake. And, like, Kirsten Cinema would just be, like, a good off-ramp for them. Like, that is sort of where the no-labels idea does kick in, is, like, I, there might even be a bigger anti-Carrie Lake coalition. Like, I don't know how they'll feel about Gallego if they get to get to know him more. This is like a first impression snapshot poll. It's not like a deep, I know these people poll, but it does seem to belie the fact that a bunch of people are out on Lake right away. It's also fun to note from, for JVL that the people are always wonderful and thoughtful is that there is at least 8% of the Arizona electorate that looks at Carrie Lake and says, you are a lunatic, ma'am. You are like such a lunatic. I'm going to vote for the fairy lady who used to be in the green party. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> if my only option is a Democrat and you, I'm coming back to the lunatic. 8% that had just really see, something, uh, see Carrie Lake for who she is clearly, and yet will still vote for her if, if, the, you know, if push comes to shove. That's nice. Can I just say I, just yeah, yeah, say I don't think that's true? Because remember uh, Kitty Hobbs, right? She's the most boring candidate on the face of the planet, mm. right? And she still outperformed Joe Biden in Arizona. Like, that's how my, like, like centrist normie Republicans in Arizona, the McCain voters, they don't like Carrie Lake. So do you guys think cinema sticks it to the, all the way to the election? So if you're her, I, you know, I always think about incentive structures. Is she incentivized to go and get 15% and come in third as an incumbent senator? Or is she incentivized to just say, you know, F you guys, I'm outie, and go start making a bazillion dollars in corporate boards, as she already told the people she could do. I know what she's going to do. Yeah? She's no. going to be the VP ticket no on, the, on the no labels candidate. Yeah. Because Manchin won't do it. I think Manchin's going to run as an independent or something in West Virginia. Uh, because if he's not at the top of the ticket at no labels, he's not going to do it. And they've already said they're going to put a Republican at the top of the ticket because they want to project... Like who they're going to pull from is Republicans, even though that's not what will happen with the John Huntsman Kirsten Cinema ticket, which is, I think, where we're heading. Boy, Tim. Luckily, the best that could happen would be that they'd put John Huntsman at the top of that ticket because <laughs> that guy is. He could do the entire campaign in Mandarin. Yeah, I oh. think that uh, what we've seen from the from that uh, just shot out of a cannon Dean Phillips campaign that we, that happened last Friday that nobody's, that nobody's talking about and doesn't actually exist. And I'd see that from, from John Huntsman. So that'd be nice candidate skills. So you think she's going to go straight to presidential race? I think that's a very solid bet. Uh, so let's talk Dean Phillips, Sarah, can I put a quarter in the machine? And I just want to hear you go on this. So this is actually a thing you could do. If you go to YouTube 
you will see that Tim did like a good 16 minute segment <laughs> just on Dean Phillips that I watched because Monologue, I needed right? Monologue. It it's just like straight just to Tim camera straight to camera. Ah! And <laughs> I had a lot of thoughts, okay? I had the whole weekend to let it simmer because he launched on a Friday and I was in New York for uh, for stuff and so I couldn't tape it on Friday, so I had the whole I had 3 days, two plane flights to just kind of let it all just kind of let your percolate. build and build and build. So I would be, you know, I want to talk about this, but I do think it would be unfair. I would be repeating both a lot of what Tim said, but also Tim is speaking for me in this context. Like I would just say both of us are very much on the same page about what an awful idea it is, how strategically it makes no sense. The people who are for this, for the idea of like, and t- what? Sorry, Tim. I'm just gonna like no, do it, said, do it, like, please. I'm I'm honored. Tim did a good job up front of I think saying something that both of us have said that anybody who listens to this podcast knows, which was that we think a year ago this was like a thing maybe people should have thought about. Like the signs of the focus groups were flashing red, um, but then you know also like the midterms turned out well. Like we are now in a couple of wars. Nobody did it at the time and decided not to. Like so, doing it right now, like. Dean Phillips, this is my point, actually, not Tim's. Dean Phillips announced on the same weekend that Mike Pence dropped out because this is getting (laughs) out season, not getting in season, right? Like, it's just the timing is too late. It's too late. And then even if you were going to do it, okay, a couple of things you wouldn't do is, one, announce with a guy who's basically just a 40-year younger version of Joe Biden. So he's got no criticism. Like, exactly. He's like, he's a big fan of Joe Biden, but it's just about his age. So now he's just running a campaign, just drawing attention to the age thing. That's it. Like, he's got a whole lot of substantive differences. And inflation, which is helpful. Yeah, right. Super helpful. Then second of all, this Steve Schmidt thing is preposterous. Look, as much as I would love to go on to a glorious career of, you know, advising Democrats, maybe someday, but I think like right now, if you're going to run a presidential campaign, you don't go hire some high profile, never Trump Republican who, by the way, has like a lot of baggage and a lot of like stuff who sucks up like more stories have been about Steve Schmidt at this point than have been about Dean Phillips. He has higher name ID, I think. Higher name ID, I'm sure of it. Yeah, certainly among no. and like this, Democrats. I, I just want to just I just want to interrupt on this one point about you working for Democrats because I don't want people to mistake this again. My whole complaint with the Dean Phillips thing is that this is that the candidate is wrong, the strategy is wrong, and the strategist is a grifter, right? Like like every like all the specific elements of it are wrong, right? It's not the idea is not necessarily wrong in a different time with a different candidate with a different strategy, but like this is 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 what is specifically galling. I, look, I'm retired, okay? I'm retired. But but Sarah seems like she might not be. So if, a de- if there's a Democrat out there that's like, hey, I'm a Democrat running in a red state. I- I'd love to get Sarah on board for some thoughts, you know, like as a as an advisor. Or, hey, it's the general election coming up, and we need a hard-knuckled lesbian former Republican to start taking it to the Republicans and help yeah. our campaign with that. Yeah. Okay, right, sure. There are times and places for all this. I'm not saying that, you know, Sarah can never have a job in politics again. That's not uh, I, it's maybe true for me, not for her not for other never trumpers but like if dean phillips calls me like literally the first thing i'm saying is okay who's who do you have that's not me right because like like you need you're running in a democratic primary ostensibly a democratic primary like where joe biden won on the basis of his really strong performance with black democrats 
You're going to hire a white never-Trumper who's never had to even think about getting black votes in his entire life as your main strategist? Like, that's idiotic from the start. Why would the strategist accept that? And then you're going to let him do press conferences and interviews for you? I think the whole thing is just is just outrageous. And, and, and it is just such a scam. And, like, the best thing I can say about it is it seems so incompetent that I don't know that it's going to be meaningfully different from Marianne Williamson in a way that harms Joe Biden. Prediction, it won't. Um, and in fact, it'll be, if we count RFK Jr., Marianne Williamson, and Dean Phillips, Dean Phillips, who is the most theoretically serious person of those, would finish behind the other two, my view. If there was a vote. If there was, if there was, if a, there was a vote. If there was a primary vote in New Hampshire over this, or South Carolina. The only thing is, is like, I like Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips could have been sure. like a decent nominee, like 10 years from now, or five years from now, whatever. No, no like, more he can't. What I know, the guy decided to firebomb his own career. I mean, I don't know what these guys are thinking. The people who are calling for a primary challenger right now, just stop it. It's over. I'm sorry. I wish things were different, but you got to knock it off and like play the ball as it lays. Unless like, Barack Obama, well, unless Michelle wants or to come Michelle, off the sidelines. Michelle. If Michelle yes. wants, if Michelle or Oprah wants to, yes. if you're not Michelle or Oprah, just stop like that. Or The Rock, Michelle, Oprah, and The Rock. That's the list. Those are the three people that could possibly get in the race right now. But everybody else is a no. I, I know, and I used to Zendaya. say this about George P. Zendaya, maybe. Uh, she, I don't Taylor. think she's thirty-five. T Swizzle. Um, I, I used to say this about George P. Bush again. And he ended up doing some stuff in this campaign that I really didn't like. But but I like him personally, right? But I, and I was saying, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad idea that George P. Bush runs in Texas. He just shouldn't run in a Republican primary, you know, like and try to out MAGA his opponent. Like that's just a strategy that's not going to work. There's nothing personal about him. Like and so I had to do interviews about this all the time where I had to do the whole throat clearing thing. I feel that way. I don't know Dean Phillips personally, but I feel the same way. Like his politics seem totally fine. Most of the things that he's saying, besides like a couple random cheap shots he's taking at Joe Biden, like I, I agree with. But like, this is stupid and harm and and stupid. harmful, harmful. It's worse than stupid, really. It's it's actively harm. It, it would be actively harmful if it worked. <laughs> the best the best that can happen is that it just totally blows up on the launch pad, which it seems to like it might have. On the other hand, okay. Uh, if this is who Dean Phillips is, then isn't it better to know now than in 10 years when he tries to make a serious run at something bigger? No, because this is earnest on his part. Like this right. is, he's, he's going to get hurt. This he's he's going to get his and he probably <sighs> won't hurt Biden. And so it's better to know. No, okay. whatever. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. All right. Humans are complicated. Now we can really fight. Mike Pence is out, as you mm. said, Sarah. And I would like to put a proposition to the group. Mike Pence accomplished something very positive with his run for president. He did not do any harm. He acquitted himself very honorably, and he attempted to both draw a clear distinction on what he thought about where the party was going and to draw a line in the sand and bring Republican voters back from the abyss. And then when it was clear he couldn't do anything, he got out on time so that he would not contribute to Donald Trump running away with the nomination. All of which is great. Mike Pence, the hero we deserve. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. I, he's I'm, fine, JBL. He's fine. It's also there. fine. He's not, he's not the hero we deserve. But like, is it good that he got out? Yes. Is it weird that he got in in the first place? Yes. Is it weird that he gave Trump cover for four years? Is, it, is that bad? 
Yes. Does that is it entirely offset by him doing the right thing when push gave came to shove in terms of a constitutional crisis? I don't know. But there was no constituency for him. The voters actively hate him. Many of them, as you may recall, wanted him to be hung from a noose. They built the contraption to do it. And so I think that uh, I'm not sure what judgment he made that thought he ought to do it. You know where I'm going with this. And, and uh, we're just I'm just going straight to fantasy politics. I will JVL. I will put on the Mike Pence T-shirt, JVL Mike Pence. If it's, you know, if it's October, if it's, you know, a 50, 48 weeks from now, 49 weeks from now, and Joe Biden's on a stage in Wisconsin, and then it's like, what is that? You know, it's the WWE thing. You know, some music comes on. It's the like a Christian rock song. It's I a Christian rock it, song. <laughs> is that Mike Pence's music? And uh, he walks Son out of a on bitch. stage. That's Mike Pence. Yeah, he he's got the stage. steel chair. <laughs> and he's like, Joe Biden might want to kill babies, and I might not like him, but he's better than the other guy. And then he walks <laughs> off stage. Um, like that. Then, okay. All right. Then I'll come full circle on Mike Pence. But I don't see that happening. And so I'm not going to let myself fantasize about Mike Pence, even though he might like that. And, um, you know, it is what it is. My other thing is not my party this week is, I'll, I'll just say in one sentence, the trajectory of the two mics is very telling. We go back to the Washington Examiner cover about, like, what is what is really true about the Republican Party? Well, the trajectory of the two mics tells you everything. Because Mike Pence and Mike Johnson are literally the same person. They're literally, like, they're in the same marriages. They have the same beliefs. They have the same speaking style. Like, they are doppelgangers for one another. One is out. One is speaker. The only difference was January 6th. That's it. That's all that matters. And JBL, yeah. I, 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 there's going to come a time, mm-hmm. Jim is right, 50-ish weeks from now, or maybe before. In fact, probably before. When Mike Pence goes on boy, stage with Donald Trump. Yeah, where he endorses Donald Trump. And then we'll talk, my friend. You know what? We'll talk. Look, I wouldn't put money on it, but I think there's a chance he doesn't endorse Trump. I also think there's a chance of that. Uh, like maybe a one in four chance that Pence refuses to endorse him. So you're 74%... Pence endorses Trump, 25% no endorsement, 1% Biden endorsement. Is that your breakdown? Basically. Of the Mike Pence? Basic, like, the basically, hero yes. we need. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what. The, Biden himself ought to be personally courting Pence pretty hard. So at this I agree. Point. He ought to be Nightly on calls. the phone with him. Bringing him to the 15, warm cup of milk, Mike Pence call every night. Bringing him doing, to, the, to the White House, asking for his help on some initiative, right? Yeah. Find some important, like, disaster relief initiative mm-hmm. and put Mike Pence in charge of it and ask him to help, like, he and Barack Obama go out and raise, and George W. Bush go out and raise money for hurricane victims yeah, or tornado victims yeah. or something. Uh, that would be that would be something that you would be You hear that, Ben LaVolt? I'll, I'll be but passing really, along my Mike Pence contacts to you. Start inviting them. But I, I really do mean this. I mean, so following the the end of the Trump administration, Mike Pence was basically complicit in all of it. And he could have run as DeSantis here. Like he could have chosen to jump into the DeSantis lane and really run full mega. Instead, he basically repudiated all of it. I mean, he gave the his big time for choosing speech about populism versus Reagan big. conservatism that's, that's, for him, mother he gave a time for choosing speech. <laughs> he gave, he gave a speech. <laughs> it was long. Uh, and you know, he tried like he really did try. He, I think that he earnestly believed that the party was, and that the voters were what he thought they were. And I think he was genuinely surprised to find out that you guys weren't. should do a you guys should do a chat, sit down fireside chat 
Can we try to make that happen? I think you and Mike Pence should do a fireside I'd love to do it. Listen, I'm the only one in America who's ever written nice things about him. <laughs> no, nobody else has. Mother. All right. Uh, guys, we're about to get out of here, but first I promised you some candy. Tim, you sent me pictures of your fantastic, Thank you. fantastic Halloween costume. I posted it to threads.net, so people that want to join threads can see it. I replied. I go to my feed and click on my replies. I did. I sent it to Chris Hayes. He needed a pick-me-up. He requested a pick-me-up over on threads. This is what happens on threads. People are just trying to, you know... Uh, just warm Threads each other's souls, you know, rub each other's backs, you know, I give wish each you other a hand when they're down. It's like the good Samaritan social media feed. That'll last about a month. So you might as well come while, you know, while the glory days of Threads are happening. So I did send it so people can look at this. Um, but I went as um, jail Rudy Giuliani. I was trying to manifest. With the know, with the with hair the dye running yes. down the side so, of your face, yeah, which was amazing. Yeah, I had the amazing. hair dye. I had the jail costume. I had a little shot glass for all of my, for my whiskey I was carrying around. It was pretty good. Uh, you know, it took people a little while to get it out on the street. Yeah. Took people a little while to get it. I was I was hoping for like That's overwhelming how you can tell positive. But yeah, yeah, we're in Louisiana. So I yeah. did uh, like four people really, really liked it. You know, I had intense and in, in, intense compliments from like four people, but about everybody else was like, "Why do you look like what, what is what's the weird marker on your face for?" Um, <laughs> you did look a little bit like one of the Three Stooges. Like it yeah. took me a second until I saw. I it literally, I took once I saw it coming down your face. I was like, "Oh, yeah. I see." So uh, Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it though. People, so people can judge themselves. I'll take constructive feedback. I don't. I'm not. You know, my self-worth is not defined by my costumes. But well, you know what my no. self-worth is defined by? Sarah admitted, and I don't think Sarah knows how to put YouTube videos on faster than 1.0 speed. So she listened to 14 minutes and 26 seconds of my rant about Steve Schmidt and, and did not re- read one single word of your triad. And so that is something that does <laughs> warm, okay. warm my heart. I also had a costume for Halloween, but only oh, really? Sarah got a picture of it. No one, yeah, else, no one else gets why? to see my Halloween costume. Why? Uh, you know right. why? Because JVL worries about, uh, you know, people judging his big. It was a very tight. He's in a very tight little superhero oh. thing. Mm. Uh, and you know what? I thought he was looked there some terrific. moose knuckle. Is that what you're worried about? <laughs> no, this is this is the worst part of it. It's like the pants are like. Sinbad genie baggy. Oh yeah. And then the show, you know, you, you order these things from Amazon and who knows. There wasn't what you a get. Sinbad genie, by the way. And it was anyway, it un, unimportant. It the was point white. Is Sarah it was got white. to see it. It was it was white and tight. Mm, I love I'd it. like to yeah, see that. Something. Uh all right, guys, good show, long show. Go to the bulwark.com slash events. Come hang out with us on November 17th in DC. Hit the subscribe button. If for some reason you're not getting our newsletters, go over while you're at the Bulwark. Give us your email. We'll send you all sorts of good free stuff. There are no commercials on any art. Written product, no ads. You get almost all of it for free. I don't know why you wouldn't do it at this point. Uh, friends, we'll see you Sunday. I do read the triad. I read it this week. Once. There are five of them every week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>